of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Traveling this journey with you through the Psalm Project, and here we are at Psalm 40. Um, I'll admit there are times where it seems like it is going fast, and then there are times where it seems like this is taking forever. Uh, But Psalm 40, uh, 10 more Psalms, and we will be one-third through the book of Psalms. And so here we are. At Psalm 40, this psalm has two sections joined together. They are linked by verses 9 and 10, and it's an appropriate transition. Uh, God has answered an earlier prayer of the psalmist, but he still has problems to bring before God. And so he looks to God in this time of his, his new crisis. So, Psalm 40, it is, like many of the psalms, it is hymnic in the way I have said it. In fact, the last psalm I did, 39, this one, 40, 41, will also be hymnic. 42 takes on more of a contemporary feel when we get there. So, uh, let me read for you Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance. In the great congregation, behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. 
Do not delay, oh my God. So let's get in to this psalm, Psalm 40. The psalmist here actually uh, crying out for help to God. And as many psalms, he does not delay in making known his enemies and their um, feeble attempts at destroying him. Verse 2, he says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and the Lord set his feet upon the rock. A miry pit is contrasted with the sure footing of a rock here. Sheol, the grave, as we've seen before, is often pictured as a pit. We see that in Psalm 6 and in Psalm 30. Since the Psalms use a lot of metaphor, we don't know what type of pit he is speaking of here. This is, by the way, a Psalm of David once again. Um, But we don't know about which pit he's speaking of, and perhaps he was ill or sick. I've mentioned that before. Maybe he was threatened with death or... Since the psalm is probably a royal psalm, he may have felt the threat of death in battle. Think about this. David was a king and a political leader, and he certainly had to face those political difficulties, including battle and war. Then in verse 3, he says, He put a new song in my mouth. I've discussed this before. Uh, the command to sing a new song to the Lord. And and part of the reason is because no matter how much we sing to the Lord, no matter how many words, how eloquent they may be, they will never be enough. So I firmly believe there will always be new songs sung to the Lord. I'm not saying get rid of old songs, but there is something about singing new words to the Lord, the words that we've never spoken or sung before. Verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. At the beginning of this project, if you remember, I discussed this word, blessed. And it's more than just happy. Uh, This type of blessed is only experienced by someone who has trusted the Lord and has placed their full faith in him. And then it says, who does not turn to the proud. This word is a rare word used of Egypt Actually, in Psalm 87, verse 4, and we'll, we'll look at that eventually, but there it's simply translated as Rahab. Here, it probably refers to the false idols of the surrounding nations. This is, again, as I mentioned, probably a political or royal type of psalm. Verse 6, sacrifice and offering you have not Desired. So the psalmist here knows that animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were mandated by God, but if they were offered without genuine repentance and faith, God didn't want them. So it's not saying that you as a person should not offer a sacrifice to God. In fact, God demands sacrifice. I think that's why Jesus said to carry your cross. So it's not saying that. It is not saying don't make sacrifices. In fact, it's saying quite the opposite. It's saying, though, that if those sacrifices are given, are presented with a wrong heart, then God has no use of them and does not want them. Verse 6, it says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. This is a difficult phrase, and it may be idiomatic. Uh, The Hebrew 
more literally translated would be ears you have dug for me. <laughs> um, so again, I've discussed the difficulty in translating Hebrew. Picture yourself as a Hebrew translator. You're reading from right to left instead of left to right. No spaces between words, no punctuation. And you have to figure out how that, what that means after thousands of years, and the language has obviously changed. So it is very difficult. So the, the Hebrew translation here, ears you have dug for me, I think this is a actually a very good fit for it. You have given me an open ear. You've made me be able to hear. And this would mean that God gave the psalmist ears to hear and obey. The phrase is important because it is cited in Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. So let me read you, and it's a little different, but Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Keep that in mind, okay? Let me go on. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me, in the scroll of the book. Um, so this phrase, this this section of this psalm is mentioned and, and cited there in Hebrews. Hebrews uses the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament. So Hebrews uses the Septuagint translation, a body you have prepared for me. So the meaning is the same. The ears are to the body as part to the whole. So the obedience of Jesus in the body is to offer himself once and for all, replacing animal sacrifices of the Old Testament. So here in the Psalms, in Psalm 40, the psalmist says, you have given me an open ear. Again, the Hebrew ears you have dug for me, but what it means to us is you've made me be able to hear and obey. And then Hebrews, a body you have prepared for me. So the phrasing is slightly different in Hebrews, but it, it comes from the same place. And the reason, again, that that is different is it uses the Septuagint translation, the Greek Old Testament. If you hear that word Septuagint, that is the Greek translated um, Old Testament. So I won't get into canon. Uh, I'm not a canon expert, but I know a little bit about it. I'm not going to get into it, but... Uh, uh, these phrases basically imply the same thing. In other words, God does not want your sacrifices, your offerings, if it is not presented with a right heart. But because he has given us ears to hear, or he has prepared a body for us, if you will, because of that, we can say, I come to do your will, O God as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. We will get into that phrase now in verse 7. Behold, I have come. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. This reference may refer to the commandment recorded for kings in Deuteronomy 17. That could be what this is. The point, however, is that God has provided the means for us to obey him. While he does not take pleasure... In offerings presented in vain, he does want us to present offerings and sacrifices, but with a right heart. 
Verse 8, I desire to do your will, oh my God. This verse comes to the heart of the matter. The psalmist offers what God requires, heartfelt obedience. Verse 9, I have told the glad news of deliverance, or also righteousness in the Hebrew, in the great congregation. Either the assembled worshipers or the whole nation could be what is being referred to here. Verse 12, for evils have encompassed me. My iniquities have overtaken me. The psalmist identifies the source of his troubles as both external, in other words, enemies seeking to thwart him, and internal, his own sin. And both exist. And then the the psalm goes on and, and asks the Lord to be pleased and to deliver and let those who shame him be put to shame. So the psalmist here crying out to God to deliver him here in Psalm 40, very much linked to the previous psalm. Uh, these psalms in our Bibles are set up not necessarily um, in chronological order. In other words, they this is not necessarily the order that they were written in, but this is the order they're in in our Bibles. But sometimes you come to back-to-back psalms that are very much linked together, and these are two of them, 39 and 40. Uh, next episode, we will move on to 41, which is, I, I can't remember if I discussed this in the first episode or not, but the book of Psalms is divided into five books. Uh, Psalm 41 concludes the first book, and so we will move on to book two when we get to Psalm 42. So, thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.